Play, play, cry, eagles, play, on your way to misery. Let's all giants! I don't start my podcast like this, but man, doesn't it feel good to beat the fucking eagles? Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, victory podcast. We are on a one-game winning streak. Doesn't it feel good to beat the Eagles? Man, a lot of stuff happened at the game I was at. And I want to talk about it first because that's probably going to be the most interesting part of this podcast episode. Now, maybe short, it may be long, because there's definitely stuff that the Giants did right, and there's stuff that the Giants did wrong. But you know what? For our buddy Michael Strahan... You damn well know we stomped them out. Even though I really didn't get to see Strahan play in his prime days. Because I was only four years old when he retired. Man. If you're complaining about this victory, and I'm not talking, oh, well, you know, the offense, it was uh, was not really that great productively. I'm not going to crucify you for actually having points and talking about that because that's what I'm going to do later on in this podcast episode I apologize one second I'm not going to critique anybody who does that but if you're mad oh Daniel Jones and Barkley oh they're one and six at home shut up shut up we beat the Eagles now Put yourselves in the Eagles' shoes for 20 seconds. And shift. Rotate, I mean. Shift and rotate, however you want to configure it. The situations. Say that the Eagles are in our position right now. And the Giants are in the Eagles' position right now. But you're an Eagles fan. Right? Try to imagine the situation. Eagles in the Giants situation, Giants in the Eagles situation. The Eagle fans, they'd be laughing up a storm. They'd be laughing their asses off. They'd be chanting, fly Eagles, fly, and all that bullshit. So you should be happy with this win. If you want to get serious and talk about the offense and some things on the defense, listen, that's going to be later in the podcast episode. I'm not going to deny any of the issues that the Giants had on the field. But let me tell you something, Eagle fans. Yappity, yappity, yappity. All fucking game. All game. And I want to talk about my experience because this is probably going to be the most exciting, interesting part of today's podcast episode. Excellent tailgate. And I'll explain my story even going back to the city because I find it it a little odd and... You guys might laugh. You guys might say, oh, that's pretty disgusting, whatever. It's going to be included, whether you like it or not. So, I got up at 6 a.m. on Sunday with my brother because me and him went to the game, obviously, went to the tailgate, whatever. Left the house, went to the city, waited for our Uber, and our Uber was a little bit late because it said like four minutes away or something like that, but on the map, it had it near us. So, I think the Uber driver was a little lost or something like that whatever my stomach started hurting 
and maybe it was out of excitement, out of stress, something like that. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta use the bathroom. And I had to go to four different spots to ask if I could use the bathroom. Boom. Unfortunately, that made us a little late to the tailgate because I did want to get concrete to the stadium at 8 a.m. But we got to MetLife Stadium around 8.20, 8.25. We were dropped off. It was near the Meadowlands train station, I believe. That's where we were dropped off by the Uber. Walked a couple of blocks. I'd like to thank Chank, uh I, I was trying to mix my words. I almost said Taste of China. That's the place by me. I'd like to thank Talking Giants, Candlewick Diner. Food was excellent. Food was excellent. Talking Giants of uh, John Boy Media, Bobby and Justin, they did a great job with the tailgate. A lot of people came out, and I said on Twitter... Actually, no, somebody else said on Twitter, and I said it was a good idea. Someone's got to make name tags for everybody. I mean, some of these people that I'm seeing out here, and then I'm looking at Twitter pictures, I'm like, that's them? But I met a, a new couple of people. Shoutouts to Sneaky G-Man. I don't have his hat with me, but he gave me a hat. We took pictures. The Entertainer was there, talking Knicks, talking baseball, talking Giants like usual. Bobby and Justin hanging around, Justin giving me some advice on the channel. It was a fun time. It was a fun time. Uh, his friend who does the Bleeding Blue podcast with him, Snacks, always drinking and always having fun like usual, playing music, doing all this fun stuff. It was a great time. It was a great time. And if you guys didn't get to go there, then, you know, hopefully next year. Earlier in the season, later in the season, in the summer, when they have the preseason games, hopefully something else comes up like this so we could have more fun stuff like this. And we had more of a content creator presence at FanFest. But also, it doesn't make that, you know, this tailgate wasn't fun. It was lots of fun. It was snowing a little bit. They had a fire pit. It was really fun. Also, shouts to Matt Riley who was there, uh, one of the supporters on Twitter and supporters of the channel. He was there. We were talking like usual, and he pretty much shares a lot of the same standpoints with me. But uh, it was fun. It, it was really fun. And, yeah. So we go into the stadium around, I would say, 12.15, 12.30, start saying goodbye to everybody. And we line up for the field goals. And... Before the field goal session on Sunday, which if some of you guys know, you go to MetLife Stadium, whether it's a Jets event, Giants event, they'll have you kick field goals or at least try to attempt field goals at the little field that they have in the front. And I was three for, no, I was two for six, I want to say. I think it was two for six on field goal attempts prior to Sunday. And also as I walked in, these were free Michael Strahan towels. So it was a pretty fun experience. Obviously, I'm going to say that a lot within the next couple of minutes. This and third down, fourth down, I was waving that thing. Giants in the red zone, I was waving that thing. I wasn't scared. Fuck the Eagle fans. Fuck them. But I do want to give a quick shout out to One Trey Rock, Bird Gang 31, and JC Eagles Talk. JC Eagles Talk came on my channel. At 2.30, no, it was 3 o'clock on Saturday, and then I was on 
Bird Gang's channel with one Trey Rock. I think it was 8.45 on Friday night. So, and you know what? Content creators and fans, some of them can be the same. Some of them can be different in terms of personalities. But they even said, you know, throw away the records. This is going to be a close game. It was a very close defensive game. Despite what us Giant fans and some of the Eagle fans thought. But I want to keep going with my story. I missed a field goal. Of course I did. I always kick it wide left. For some reason, my leg doesn't know how to do it anymore. I mean, I never really was a good kicker. But the first two times I tried, which was two years ago, at the Giants kickoff party, I was two for two. And then I went again, and I missed both um, field goals after that. So I was two for four on the day. Also, they had this little thing where you have that wide receiver ladder that's on the ground, and you have to beat the guy, the staff employee, and I beat him on the first try. I don't know if he let me off soft, but I'm pretty convinced that I beat him. And I caught the ball, and then they had the little dummies, the whatever you call it. They look like cylinders, the dummies, I'm going to call them. You know, I went through there. Luca, let me tell you something about that. He had he didn't beat the guy two separate times. He had to give him a third try just to beat him, and he let him off a little easy. Luca dropped the ball and then went through the dummies. But uh, this is not about criticizing Luca. This is about a lot of other things. But I also want to go back to uh, when we were entering, when we were about to get our tickets scanned and the metal detectors and all that stuff. You got these Eagle fans. You got these Eagle fans. E A G E. I can't even spell it right. E A G L E F Eagles. And I. Literally said, and none of this story is bullshit, by the way. I don't make things up for clicks. This is the real experience. I said, yeah, take that chant back to Philadelphia. Get the fuck out of here. Obviously, nobody, you know, heard me or nobody said anything. But I was pissed at that point because you're on our fucking turf and you're saying that shit. I was motivated. I said to my brother before the field goal opportunity, I said... Giants better win today. Giants better win today because I will be mocking these Eagle fans like nobody has ever seen before. So, we go to our section. Pretty good seats. Pretty good seats. We have a yapper behind us. A yapper. Talker, 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 talker. How many times do I have to hear? Actually, the first thing he said was, Oh, the Giants, you know, their PA announcer is very monotone. He sucks. I'm like, that's... What you're gonna rip about the team, right? The monotone announcer, right? That's what you're gonna rip about the team. Now, oh, the Giants suck this. The Giants suck because he couldn't say anything about the team. He, he made a couple more stupid comments, but then he shut his mouth at the end of the game. I'll get to that. A couple of times during the game, when I think it was Miles Sanders had that big run to start the second half. A couple of situations where the Giants could not convert on third down. The Matt Skura false start. And this guy's yapping. Yappity, 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 yappity. Oh, well, this is a momentum changer. Oh, it's going to change the game. Oh, it's a momentum changer. Change the game. And then when the Giants played fucking prevent offense, the end of the game, which really pissed me off, by the way. I'm not even going to deny it. Pissed me off. Pissed me off. And the Giants punted. Guy yapping behind me. This is where legends are made, Jalen Hurts. 
And he kept quiet when Jalen Hurts throws, throws uh, those three interceptions. And he also kept quiet when that fumble happened. Which... The Eagles were turning over the ball like nobody's freaking business. They were giving free turnovers away. Free Apple turnovers. Black Friday sale. Two days late. Let's go. Anyway. Fourth and ten. Eagles were slowly coming down the field. They spiked the ball on first. It was second down. A couple of incompletions. Fourth down. Fourth down. Jalen Hurts looking. He's got some pressure on him. Throws it deep. Also, by the way, I'm going so much out of chronological order that it's not even funny. I apologize, but it's just everything's coming back to me now. You had this drunk bimbo drinking a Bud Light in the other section. Fly, Eagles, fly, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. And she was turning around with her Bud Light, and people would start booing her. And then after the Eagles touched down, in the, a little bit in the first quarter, actually, when they didn't score, you know, they were going, you know, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. But funny enough, let me skip back to the moment, or a little before the moment. Giant fans were starting to mock Eagle fans before the prevent offense happened. And I said to my brother who was sitting next to me, I'm not saying anything because all I know, the Giants can play prevent offense, milk the clock, and they'll give it right back to the Eagles. So Giant fans were mocking them a little bit with the this and the Eagles suck and all this other crap. So the Eagles get the ball back, 4th and ten. Throw downfield. And Jalen Rager drops it. Aaron Robinson in coverage, who had a pretty freaking good game. I like this guy coming out of college. I wanted the Giants to draft him as insurance. If Adoree Jackson would get hurt, or if Adoree Jackson wasn't good. And he got hurt. He got hurt later in the game. And Aaron Robinson, after giving up one big reception to, I believe it was, Quez Watkins down the right sideline. He was pretty damn good. He was pretty damn good. Janoris Jenkins on the other side. Maybe not lockdown and stuff like that, but he's also a beast in the running game, which is something that the Giants need. Fourth and ten, incompletion. Guy automatically leaves. I start my chance. I'm not holding back anything. Fly, Eagles, fly. On the road to misery. And I obviously did that a couple of times. Nobody really called me out. Coming out of the stands, going down the escalator, stuff like that, right? So I considered at some point during the game, whatever the status would be, Giants winning, Eagles winning, doing whatever. I'm like, you know what? Let me start a Cowboy Suck chant. And then I rethought that. I'm thinking to myself, Eagle fans don't deserve unity with Giant fans at all. After all the yappity yappity they talked. And it paid off. So, going down the escalator, there was a little bit of a fuck the Eagles chant, which is something that is not wrong. Tell you that much. So, you know, we're going to the plastic bag station, which is where they give you a green ticket and you put your regular bag in for a plastic bag or anything you can't bring in the stadium. You basically exchange to them. They give you a green ticket. You come back at the end of the game. Which... I think it's a stupid rule, but not right now. So, with that being said, going to the ticket station, talking to my brother, someone must have overheard me say something and said, I apologize if you guys hear any phones or anything in the background. I'm going to try to speak as loud as possible to hope that you guys don't hear that 
With that being said, though, some moron says, look at the record. I'm thinking to myself, actually, no, I'm not thinking to myself. I said out loud, yeah, look what just happened in the stadium, pal. You could throw away that record. That's not the best part, everybody. This is the best part, and I love talking about this. It's not even like I was mad. I was just, yeah, motherfucker, you guys just lost. So there was a Cowboys fan in front of us. He had a Zeke jersey. And a lot of people probably question, well, what is a Cowboys fan doing in a Giants game? I would ask the same question because it's Eagles, uh, Eagles, Giants. I would ask the same question, but a lot of Cowboy fans, also Washington football team, but a lot of Cowboy fans were rooting for the Giants this weekend because the Eagles are slowly coming up. Cowboys have seven wins. The Eagles still are at five. So that's a two-game difference. I believe they're still in second place. The Giants slowly climbing up. But with that being said, Siegel fan and his brother, his friend, whatever, they point to that Cowboys fan and say, oh, Cowboys suck. Oh, disgusting. Then, comes up to me, points at my jacket, has the Giants logo on it. Ready for this. Poverty franchise. I turn around. I start seeing red out of shit talking. It's not even about being angry. What do I got to be angry about? Giants just won. So, I'm going to reiterate some of the things I said, because to be honest with you, I can't remember all the things I said, but I'm just going to pre-warn you guys, if you don't like curse words, even though I've been cursing for pretty much most of the podcast already, I said, oh, get the fuck out of here with that shit, bro, take your ass, take this Eagles fan base back to Philadelphia, we just kicked your ass in that stadium, that's about probably 30% of the shit I said, and I said, yeah, put some salt on your New York pretzel, bitch. And my brother was saying shit, too. Just a reminder that the Eagles actually still play at MetLife this coming week. But the Jets, but the Jets host them. And the Jets have never beat the Eagles, so he has a right. I'm not rooting for the Giants, but I am rooting for the Eagles to lose. And someone even said, coming on the way down... In terms of the escalator, said to my brother, oh, you're a Jets fan, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, you know what? The Jets could possibly beat the Eagles. They're easy. They're harder than it looks. Or I should say they're easier than it looks because the Giants made it look harder because of the many things they did. So riled up all this stuff. I see a couple people. I saw the tailgate, and I start talking about them. And then traffic was hell. Traffic was hell. I took the 351 Meadowlands Express back to Port Authority. And we got on probably about 4.30 latest, and we didn't get back till 6 o'clock. Mind you, this is an 18-minute ride between Port Authority and MetLife Stadium. About an hour. That's how bad traffic was. And I'm not a guy that says, oh, we got to leave. We got to beat traffic. I don't like that at all. Unless you have a party to go to or whatever, just don't go to the game. Just don't go to the game. But pretty damn fucking great experience best game i've ever been to goes to be one of the best if not the best event in terms of sports i've ever been to because of just the eagles yappity 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 and then when their team lost man silence was in the air quiet eagles quiet on the way to misery now i'm probably gonna out talk all this shit because we will probably get beat in December. Because we can't, for some reason, ever close it out in Philly. 
whether it be on a last-second field goal, a touchdown, Evan Ingram dropping a pass. And funny enough, a lot of people posted this on Twitter, and I am so on the train of this. I think it's funny that we get to make fun of the Eagle fans like this. Drop passes galore in that game. The game-winning dropped pass by Jalen Ragor. He dropped the pass in the end zone when Aaron Robinson was covering him. Greg Ward dropped the pass a couple of plays before the Tay Crowder interception. So, Eagle fans, listen, last year was last year. The Giants didn't do their job. And you want to talk about drop passes? Oh, Evan Ingram can't catch. And he almost cost us. He almost cost us because he tipped a pass that went into the hands of Avante Maddox. And there's a lot of Eagle fans out here. Oh, the NFL refs. Shut up. Because guess what? Nick Sirianni could have challenged it. It's not, oh, well, it's a touchdown. They automatically review it. He doesn't need to do anything. No. No. No excuses. No. Sirianni didn't challenge it. And let me say this before we actually go into the stats and stuff like that. I don't feel that the Eagles ran the ball as much as they should have. Because of the Giants, as much as they played good, they also played bad. They didn't stop the run for shit. No matter how many guys they put in that box, they could not stop the run. Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, even though he fumbled at the end of the game, he also had a touchdown earlier. But they could not stop the run. And they passed 31 times. 31 times. And this is a game where Nick Sirianni could have easily said, okay, we're going to run the ball for, I don't know, 75% of the time. Guess what, pal? That's close to 51, 52% that you ran the ball compared to passing the ball, which is not good because the Eagles cannot pass the ball. Jalen Hurts is not a good passer. We saw that. Three interceptions. Three interceptions. Those players were all out of the class of 2020. So that I'll thank Dave Gilman for. Obviously, I have my own thoughts on him. I'm not going to talk much about the reports of, well, Joe Judge and could have gotten rid of Jason Garrett and had it with him since 2020 in November. I'll talk about that maybe if I get to it at the end, but it's not really something I'm going to cover. Same thing with the Dave Gettleman thing, which has been known to man for a while now. And I'm pretty pissed at my brother, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Because obviously, for some reason, actually, he grabbed one of these. He's a Jets fan. He grabbed one of these coming into the stadium. And... Out of desperation, and there's napkin stands everywhere. Out of desperation, he grabs one of these and blows his nose in it. And I looked at him, I said, next time I go to a Jets game and they retire somebody's number, like Nick Mangold or some of these other guys or whoever they retire, I'm going to blow my nose in it. I'm not going to put it on the ground. I'm actually going to put it on the chair beside me. That was a great segment. I'm going to take a water break for a second. That was great. That was great. How many minutes are we at in this thing? Because, ooh, 23 minutes close to already. And I know this hat looks a little big on me, but it wouldn't look big on me if my hair wasn't short. But before we talk about the game, thanks to Talk of Giants, Candlewick Diner, all the people that made the experience as great as it was, even the Eagle fans, because they couldn't shut their mouths. And there's that common saying, I'm probably going to screw it up. Don't cash, no, 
Hold on. I got to start with it. Don't something a check. Don't write a check that your ass can't cash. Clearly the Eagle fans, they couldn't cash a check. Their ass couldn't cash that check. With all the shit they were talking. So, Giant fans, whether you're pissed about the offense, you feel so good about the defense, be happy. Be happy we beat the Eagles. And I want to say one more thing, and I'm really rambling here. Jonathan Gannon won all five games based off of bad quarterbacks. Teddy Bridgewater was probably the best in that group. Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, the other teams they beat. Trevor Simeon, he had some of the best games against bad quarterbacks. They have their five wins off of bad quarterbacks. Well, you know what? Daniel Jones, yeah, he missed a couple of throws, and he messed up at times. I feel like his pocket awareness was actually a little better because he maneuvered in the pocket sometimes. He wasn't getting sacked. He got sacked once, but he took the sack to run some time off the clock and make the Eagles use the timeout. But I feel... He was okay. He was a little bit improved compared to last week's game. But my thoughts on on uh, Daniel Jones are still the way they are. So let's talk about stats. We'll talk about the offense, the defense, injuries, outlook. So Jalen Hurts, 14 for 31, 129 yards, 4.2 per attempt, three interceptions in one sack. That sack, Julian Love, I apologize, and... Also, what's his face? Austin Johnson. So Austin Johnson, I believe, has three and a half, four sacks on the year. Highest in his career. Daniel Jones, 19 for 30, 202 passing yards, one touchdown, 6.7 per throw. Only sacked once, but once again, he was going to the ground on that sack just to milk some clock and have the Eagles use their final timeout. For Philadelphia on the rushing side of the ball where they were pretty damn good, I'm going to sit here and tell you the truth. Jalen Hurts, 8 rushes for 77 yards, 9.6 per carry. Boston Scott, 15 rushes for 64 yards, 1 touchdown. Miles Sanders, 9 rushes for 64 yards, 7.1 yards per pop. Quez Watkins, 1 rush, 3 yards. And I'm kind of surprised that they really didn't put Kenneth Gainwell in the running game either. I mean, they had a lot of success with Scott, Sanders, and Hurts, and Howard was out, but I'm surprised. Maybe Gainwell's just a better receiving back, which is probably why he led the pack in receptions. Also, for the Giants running the ball, they can't do shit on the ground. I'm going to talk facts. That's what this channel is about, telling the truth. Saquon Barkley, 13 carries for 40 yards. His longest was a 32-yard run, getting them out of their own territory. Well, they actually ended up at the 43, but the Giants were pinned inside the 5 to 10, so... Good run by Barkley, but other than that, let's do the math here. 32, take that off of 40, that's 8. So he would have had 12 carries for 8 yards. And there was that one play where Fletcher Cox blew up Nate Solder, which is, once again, I don't get why he's starting. It has to be some committal with Joe Judge because he's a New England guy. Same thing with Danny, Danny Shelton. Uh, Daniel Jones had 9 rushes for 30 yards. Not all of them were designed. Devontae Booker had 3 rushes for 10 yards. Farrah Cooper had one rush for three yards, and Darius Slayton had that horrible end around for 13-yard loss. In the receiving game, Kenneth Gainwell, three receptions, 32 yards. Jalen Rager, two receptions, 31 yards, was targeted seven times. Damn. Quez Watkins, two receptions, 23 yards. 
Devonta Smith, who I thought was going to have a little bit more of a presence. Same thing with Dallas Goddard. We'll get to him in a second, though. Man, didn't really show up. Didn't really show up. He had one catch, I think, on the final drive, but that's about it. Other than the one he probably had in the first half. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, one reception, 13 yards. Boston's got two catches for eight yards. Greg Ward had that crucial drop in the end zone. Or Hurts missed him, but I'm pretty sure Greg Ward dropped it. I was shit scared when the ball was going to him. I'm like, damn it, he's wide open. But then he drops it while cheering his Giants fans. Miles Sanders, I really don't care about out of the backfield, but Dallas Goddard, the Giants locked him down. Locked, locked, locked. One reception for zero yards and three targets. Great job by the defense. Great job. Considering that Eagles tight ends have been killing us for the last couple of years, Great job. Great job by the Giants defense. I'm not even going to go ahead and criticize them for you know anything in the receiving game. Giants receiving game. I was a little bit more impressed, but I wasn't. I'll talk about that in terms of the whole offense in a little bit. Kenny Galladay, seven targets, three receptions, 50 yards. A lot of those were based on player mistakes. and Some of this game in terms of offense was based on player execution. Because Galladay dropped the pass. Jones missed him. I believe it was on a slant. There should have been one or two pass interference calls because Darius Slay did not get his head around in the end zone, but the Giants' red zone offense continues to struggle. They really didn't get much into the red zone on their drives. They actually won the time of possession battle, which is something I'm actually surprised about, surprised with, really. Darius Slayton, 40 yards on three receptions. Evan Ingram, three Receptions, 37 yards, had that stupid drop pass that could have been intercepted, but Sirianni didn't throw the challenge flag. John Ross had two receptions for 20 yards. Devontae Booker had a 17-yard reception that was on a screen. Saquon Barkley had four catches for 13 yards. Chris Myrick, I'll talk about him in a second. Farrah Cooper, one reception for six yards. Chris Myrick, two catches for 11 yards. Man, that has to be one of the catches of the week in the NFL. And I don't say that about the Giants a lot. You know, if it's one-handed or something like that, if it's a special occasion. But this man kept it from hitting the ground in between his legs. And I seriously thought he didn't catch the ball. But I actually didn't get a good replay in the stadium. I had to look on the highlights when I got home. I'm like, damn, this man kept it from hitting the ground. And he held it with his hands. He put his hand under so, first, NFL touchdown for Chris Myrick. And he's a Philly native. So, good for Myrick. Joe Judge as well, he's a Philly native. And he also had a big first down that extended, I believe, was the final drive for the Giants. Not the one where they kneeled, obviously. But the final drive for the Giants where Jones is rolling, he's rolling. Whoever 75 was, I think it was Hassan Ridgeway or some other defensive lineman, maybe Milton Williams or whoever, he pushed Miriak down, and that's not a penalty. Or something happened there where Miriak fell down. Miriak, I keep repeating his name wrong, Myrick. Where Myrick fell down, he gets back up, makes the catch, first down, the clock keeps running. So, great game by him. In terms of fumbles and turnovers, I'll get to the sacks in a minute. Uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams really haven't done anything in the run game the last few weeks. That's just one thing I'm going to say, one thing I'm going to nitpick at. Tay Crowder had a fumble recovery. Actually, no, he fumbled it. 
out of bounds when he had the interception, but I'll give him the interception, obviously. Julian Love recovered the fumble that was forced by Dexter Lawrence, and Boston Scott was running, running like this, but Dexter Lawrence goes from behind, pops the ball up. It looks like an interception, but it wasn't. And I was screaming, I was yelling, yeah, the Giants got the ball back. Let's fucking go. Obviously, they played prevent offense in the game. It was actually more complicated, excuse me, for kicking the camera back. The offense played prevent, and it was more complicated than it had to be. But Boston Scott fumbled. That should have been the end of the game right there, but obviously, we'll talk about that more towards the end. Darnay Holmes, Tay Crowder, Xavier McKinney, interceptions. Darnay Holmes, he left the game with an injury going to his ribs. He might be out a couple of weeks, so Aaron Robinson, man. Next man up mentality. We'll talk about that more with the defense. Xavier McKinney, man, how is this man not a pro bowler? And I said this a couple of weeks ago when McKinney had those two picks against the Raiders. One was similar in this game to the Raider game because going down the sideline, except Aaron Robinson didn't fall like James Bradbury. I don't know if he got beat. I don't remember, but Aaron Robinson was playing pretty good coverage. Xavier McKinney cuts the sideline, picked off. Giants get the ball back. And one thing I'll talk about with the offense, unfortunately, is that they didn't score off of any of the turnovers. They didn't score four turnovers. They didn't score at all, which is a little depressing. Um, So Darnay Holmes had that interception, and I just feel... I just felt in that moment, Jalen Hurts is going to do something stupid. It was right in the hands, right in the mitts. Darnay Holmes returns it for about 15 yards. Tay Crowder returned it for about 9 yards. That was third down. That was great clamping. Great clamping by Patrick Graham in the defense because one of the best offenses in the red zone is Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. And when you force them to pass at the goal line, he was rolling right. Aziz was putting the pressure on him. Leonard Williams. Lorenzo Carter had some minor plays, but that's all he did. He had some minor plays, which is more than usual. But anyway, pressure, right side, forces Hurts to throw it. Tay Crowder was actually covering Boston Scott coming out of the backfield. Picks it off, returns it for nine yards, fumbles out of bounds. That's something I really don't care about. Sure, you could say, oh, well, you know, he needs to hold on the ball. But time ran out. And the Giants, they prevented the Eagles from scoring. And it's not like, oh, well, it's just another red zone thing. Nick Sirianni had all of his timeouts gone. And there were about five seconds left on the clock, maybe? I think it was eight seconds. Because a lot of Eagle fans were trapping behind me. Just go for the field goal. Just go for the field goal. It was about eight, six seconds left, maybe. And they could have ran at least one more play. Rolls right. Throws the pick. So that's bad accuracy by Jalen Hurts. That could have been a throwaway. Save them time. Kick the field goal. Easily tied at three at halftime. But let's talk about team stats. And also, I forgot to mention this about McKinney like I did two weeks ago. I was talking about McKinney and they went into the other interceptions. You can consider his first two interceptions meaningless. But it's not like they weren't good plays. And he dropped some interceptions early in the year. But McKinney made good plays in that Rams game. But the problem was the game was too far gone to actually consider McKinney's interception actually meaningful. But with that being said, the Eagles had 19 first downs. Giants had 17. Giants had 12 passing first downs. 
The Eagles had eight. Giants had four rushing first downs. Eagles had 11. Giants had one first down from penalties. I want to say it was some type of holding. No, it was pass interference that actually got the Giants further and further into the red zone at the goal line, actually. And that's where the Miriak, Myrick, whatever you call them, touchdown happened. Um, third down efficiency, the Giants were 3 for 12, and the Eagles were 4 for 11. So they converted more than the Giants did, but it's whatever the Giants won, and the defense played really well. Fourth down efficiency, the Giants were 1 for 1. I thought on the first drive they didn't get that QB sneak, but they did. I'm like, oh, no, the Giants, no, please don't give the ball to the Eagles. A lot of Eagle fans, nope, he stopped, he stopped. Move those chains. I finally figured out, bum, 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 bum. I finally figured out what that chant means. So congratulations to myself and my third Giants game. With that being said, though, the Giants ran three more total plays. Actually, let me look at this better. Actually, no, they ran seven less total plays. 65 to 58, the Eagles had 65. In terms of total yards, the Giants had 264. The Eagles had 332, so a big difference. Both had 10 drives. The Giants had 4.6 yards per play. The Eagles had 5.1. In terms of red zone, the Giants were one for three. One was a missed field goal. One was a field goal opportunity, of course. And then the Eagles were one for two. That missing one was the interception. In terms of turnovers, the Eagles turned it over four times. The Giants didn't even turn it over. So pretty clean game in terms of turnovers for the Giants. And the Giants still led the time of possession battle, 32-02 to 27-58. So pretty impressive stuff by the Giants, but a lot of stuff they need to work on. All right, so let's talk about this offense. I'm going to give takeaways and discuss them individually, but I'm going to list all the takeaways first. A lot of Matt Parrott in max protect and in the running game. Still running on first down. Daniel Jones did enough to win. His pocket, improved, his pocket awareness improved, but some things he missed, like the throw to Kenny Galladay, which was slant, and he was up the middle. And I was pissed. I'm like, Daniel, you got to hit him on that. Evan Ingram near interception. Galladay got seven targets, two on the back shoulder. Could have been better throws by Daniel Jones, but also could have been pass interference penalties. A lot of yards after the catch and nothing producing in the running game. So let's talk about this. The offense, it was never going to be fixed just in one game. Just in one game. And it's not going to be fixed this year. Giants may slightly do better in some areas, but this offensive line is continuously terrible. And I'm not saying, oh, this, that, and the other thing. I'm not making excuses because everybody's got fault. You can't sit here and not blame the offensive line or say this has to happen or this has to happen. It's not going to happen. Any major changes will not happen to the end of the season. Obviously, the Jason Garrett firing was warranted, but it wasn't going to fix the offense within weeks. It's going to happen next year because the Giants have not invested in the offensive line, haven't invested in the depth area of the offensive line. Tight ends were out. The running game, that's the biggest disappointment. And the it's not like the Eagles were the worst team in terms of defending the run. 
And it's not like the Eagles were the best team either. They were 21st coming into this game. But the Giants, for some reason, could not run the football. And I said to J.C. Eagles Talk and one Trey Rock on Friday night, you know, you guys talk about how you guys have the lack of defensive line production from Derek Barnett, Fletcher Cox, and Javon Hargrave, and all these other guys. But I'm worried about our offensive line, especially the interior, because they cannot get it done. They cannot do anything. They can't do anything. That's why the Giants could not run the football. That's what I'm convinced. Nate Solder had that big play where Fletcher Cox just pushed him into the backfield, tackled Saquon for a four-yard loss. They got to start Matt Perry. And I'm not going to go on this rant again, but it just bothers me. Nate Solder is here for this year, and that's it. Matt Parrott is not going to be evaluated to the fullest, only based on one game truly, because he played 100% of the snaps in one game, and that was the Cowboys game. He started at right tackle the whole game. And somebody said this. I think it was actually former Giants kicker Lawrence Tynes, which I support to the fullest extent. And a lot of these beat reporters ask the stupid questions Oh, Joe, uh, how was your ham sandwich today? New York media is joke. But with that being said, he said on Twitter, somebody's got to ask Joe Judge this. If Matt Parrott was good enough to start how many games at left tackle, why is he not good enough to start at right tackle? Left tackle is the power tackle side. And I know a lot of Giant fans do not like Matt Parrott. Trust me. He's not the greatest blocker in the world. But with that being said, people do not give context on what position he's playing. If he's doing terrible at right tackle, the right tackle position is easier than the left tackle position. Because the left tackle position is the power tackle side. If you have a right-handed quarterback, that's the blind side. You give up possibly one pressure, it's going to be really bad and possibly, possibly... A forced fumble, an interception, a sack, something like that. Because it's coming from the blind side and the quarterback cannot see it. Where if it's on the right side, the quarterback, any viable quarterback, is able to see that pressure. So, people have to start making context and really figuring out the context clues. Oh, Matt Perry, you know, he's bad as blocker. He's been playing left tackle for the past few weeks before the Bucks game. But he's not good enough to start at right tackle. Explain that to me. Explain why he can't play in his home position. Explain that because I need to know right now. Us fans are fans, right? Us fans are fans. We question everything. But this is something I don't understand how the Giants continue to put Nate Solder out there who doesn't give heart at all. With that being said, let's go on to some other stuff. A lot of yards after the catch and some stuff I nitpicked during the game. At least when I was watching it. Oh, why are all wide receivers to one side, this, that, and the other thing? But you didn't see that many curl routes. You didn't see a lot of just stupid stick routes. The offensive line, that's going to have to be game-planned around at least the rest of the season. Maybe next year if the Giants don't address it to the fullest extent, they probably will. Maybe not. But we'll see what happens. But Freddie Kitchens, there were some crossing routes involved. There was a drag route involved. There was a dagger route involved with Kenny Galladay. Daniel Jones was using his playbook wristband. 
So there are some things fundamentally that they need to work on. Execution, that's something they need to work on. But I can't really pick too much at Frank Kitchens' play calling. Now, I did expect him to be more aggressive on first down, not running the ball a shit ton. Once again, that's the phone again. If you guys hear it, I apologize. But um, I expected him to pass more than he ran on first down. But, you know, that's just uh, that's just the way I guess he went about the game. And I'm not going to sit here and say that Freddie Kitchens doesn't deserve blame for some of the stuff. But the offense's problems, and I never advocated that the offense's problems would be 100% fixed because, well, they're changing offensive coordinators. That's never going to happen. Giants have had offensive coordinators who have been the scapegoat multiple times. And I'm not saying Garrett's a total scapegoat. He might be. He might not be because of his terrible play calling and his lack of evolution of his offense, lack of innovation. That's the word I'm looking for. Kevin Gilbride was a scapegoat for not dressing the offensive line, and the defense was bad, and there's a lot of other things as well. Let's see. Daniel Jones... He had 203 passing yards, I believe, 19 for 30. He had not a great first drive, a couple missed throws. But I can't say that it wasn't better than Monday night. I can't say that it wasn't better because it was better than Monday night. I thought his pocket awareness was slightly better. Now, am I changing my thoughts saying he's going to be the franchise quarterback? No. Should anybody be going out on Twitter and saying, well, this guy said that Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback, or Giants fans are now saying that Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback after this game because he had a great game. No. Nobody's saying that, so stop making it for clicks. Stop making it for likes. Stop making it to make sure that you're right. That's what I'm going to say about that. In terms of Kenny Galladay, I liked how they targeted him. Maybe one reception I was pissed off at because it looked like a curl. I would have to go back and rewatch the game for that. But with that being said, they got him more involved. Seven targets. You can't argue against that. Kenny Galladay has to be a little happier. But week by week, week by week basis for the rest of the year in terms of valuation. Let's talk about the defense. Four turnovers, three interceptions by the class of 2020. Darnay Holmes, Tate Crowder, and Xavier McKinney. A forced fumble by Dexter Lawrence. Julian Love recovered the fumble. Defense capitalized off of the run-to-pass ratio, 33-31. to 31, And the Giants could never really stop the run. Next man up, mentality, the last drive, defensive backs. Let's name them. James Bradbury, Aaron Robinson, Julian Love. You want to hear the next two? I'll tell you the next two. Steven Parker. Steven Parker and J.R. Reed. Two practice squad guys. One played with the Rams. One played a lot with the Cowboys in the preseason. But these guys found themselves on the NFL field. And Patrick Graham made sure to put his players before scheme first. I have to give Patrick Graham an applause by that. After being burnt on one catch by Quez Watkins, Aaron Robinson improved. Plays physical in the passing game and in the running game. I said it before, I'll say it again. I wanted the Giants to at least look at Aaron Robinson in the draft. Because I really didn't feel totally safe with the Dory Jackson. And Aaron Robinson, why they drafted him as well, can play man coverage. And he's physical. You need your cornerbacks physical. I don't think Darnay Holmes is too physical. I think he's a little undersized. But Aaron Robinson, if you put him in the box, 
You put him in the slot, which likely over the next couple weeks, because of the Darnay injury, he's going to be there. And he's got a tough matchup next week against Jalen Waddell and some of the other guys on that Miami Dolphins team. Remember, that's a team on a four-game winning streak, so it's not going to be an easy test. We'll talk about that on Saturday. But let's talk about this individually. Now that I think about it, a lot of the runs, and I'm not saying all the runs, but some of the runs where it's categorized as Jalen Hurts, oh, nine carries. Let me look up the stat real quick. I actually have it on paper. Eight carries for 77 yards. I want to say that two of those or three of those were him just escaping the pocket and trying to get a first down. So you really look at that. They passed more than they ran it, which is a total mistake by Nick Sirianni, and I'm going to really knock on him. Not for the sake of, well, you know, the Giants won or this, that, and the other thing. You know, that is something, if the Eagles wanted to win the game, they should have ran it more than they passed it. And someone said this, I agree, 207 yards would have won you a football game 10 to 20 years ago. It doesn't win you a football game now. It doesn't win you a football game now, especially when your quarterback turns it over three times and one of the runs on a crucial drive makes it a fourth turnover. But they passed more than they ran it, which is a surprise, which was a total mistake because Jalen Hurts is not an effective passer. He's not. Um, They couldn't really stop the run. And I said, the Giants need to be physical. The Giants need to stack the box. They tried doing that at times. Tay Crowder had a decent game. Reggie Ragland made some nice plays. But, you know, they really couldn't get it done. They really could not stop the run a shit ton. After all, it was 33 carries, 208 yards, and uh, 6.3 yards per carry. So that's something that the Giants got to work on. And I don't think Miami's a big running team. I would have to look. But that's got to be improved on a week-to-week basis, especially now that Patrick Graham is going to be facing the team that he was a defensive coordinator for in 2019 this upcoming week. So hopefully he does improve something. But overall, on the defensive side of the ball, I don't want to keep you guys too long because I'm going to talk about two more things. Defensive side of the ball is doing great. After last week, four turnovers. This is the 12th game in a row, I believe. Now you had two last year. This year you've played 11 games. 13 games the Giants have had at least one turnover on defense. So clap, clap. Great job, Patrick Graham. No matter, no matter if his defense was playing shit, if his defense was playing great, they found ways to at least give the offense the ball. Now, once again, the offense didn't score on any of those four turnovers, which is really depressing. But, hey, that's week-to-week basis improvements. In terms of the injuries, I have recently, at the time of recording this, have not gotten any updates on Adoree Jackson. was ruled out with a quad injury. His status is in the air right now in terms of the next couple of weeks. But he got back out there after he was taken out the first time. Then he was taken out the second time, and that was just it for him. Darnay Holmes, I didn't even know he was out. Was taken out with a rib injury, ruled out on Sunday, and he's out for the next couple of weeks, most likely. So Aaron Robinson will take his role, and I think Aaron Robinson is up to the task for that. Physical, played well against the Eagles in a situation where he can play outside, he can play slot. I am really excited to see Aaron Robinson. Ellison Smith hasn't really gotten a lot of defensive snaps. I don't know how Patrick Graham feels about him, and especially Lorenzo Carter coming back, but I am really, really excited to see Aaron Robinson over the next couple of games. That's no joke. Outlook, final thoughts. Potential offensive improvement is destined. 
It's in the destiny. At the end of the 2021 season, some sort of improvement. I'm not saying drastic improvement. I'm not saying regression either. The Giants scored three more points this week, which isn't great. The play calling, it's better than before. With Freddie Kitchens, some things need to be maneuvered. Also, that end around was a total mistake, which was a drive killer, by the way. But the execution, the execution, the running game not working, that's not totally on Freddie Kitchens. And that was not going to be solved by Jason Garrett being fired. Now, one of the things I will pick with the running game is that they keep running Saquon Barkley under center at times. It does not work. It does not work because Saquon Barkley is not a pound and ground running back. He's not that type of guy. He's not Booker. Run to the outside, left side, inside zone, something like that. But he is not just an up-the-middle guy. That's Devontae Booker, that's Gary Brightwell, that's whoever you want to put out there. I feel like Brightwell actually had one offensive snap, but maybe I was wrong in terms of that. Um, So a potential offensive improvement improvement, excuse me, is definitely destined for this team. And it has to be by execution. And the players have to know, especially Solder, Skur, uh, after that false start penalty, Billy Price, Will Hernandez, they have to know that their jobs are on the line. Andrew Thomas, he plays like his job is on the line, but he's playing really well. They have to know, all the players really, that their job is not safe at the end of the year. So, that's that. I'm in an abuse... I am... In an abusive broship with Patrick Graham. Last week, I was criticizing him a little bit because of the defense and how they played. Because their clamping in the red zone did not work. Tom Brady just finessed them on defense. Well, on offense, you know, the defense didn't play well. But other than that game, over the last couple weeks, I have to give it to Patrick Graham. First half of the season, I was killing Patrick Graham. But... I have to admit it, guys, I'm in an abusive broship, but it's positive. We're getting better. We're getting better in the broship. (sighs) Let me talk about this before we end the show. Joe Judge's conservative philosophy lives on. The play calling really wasn't conservative. It was a little more aggressive, but conservative at times, and that has to be fixed on a week-to-week basis throughout the rest of the year. My God, you're not going to win fucking games if you're going to go with prevent offense. At the end of the game. I really don't think that was Kitchens. I don't. Because Kitchens is an aggressive play caller. I think that was Joe Judge. Because Jason Garrett, I mean, he was conservative as conservative goes. But you've seen it in two games now. Which ended in a win. Also ended in a loss. Week 2 against Washington. Once that interception by James Bradbury was made. They ran the ball. Then they passed the ball on one down. And then they gave it back to the defense, who was playing, you know, the defense was playing horrible. Defense was playing horrible that game. Give it back to the defense, game-winning field goal, Washington wins. Come back to this game. Eagles made enough mistakes to lose the game and to put it in the Giants' hands where it really should have been a blowout, but the Giants did not take advantage. Also, going back to my point on the conservative philosophy, the prevent offense is not going to work. Aim for a first down and the game is over. Then you could run your plays. Then you could do Booker draw, Barkley draw, Jones sliding, Jones kneeling. You could do that stuff if you get the first down. Joe Judge's conservative philosophy is not going to be a long-term answer for this franchise, for this team. 
And those are reasons where I don't like that Joe Judge is likely back next year. I like him as a coach. I think some of his stuff he does good. I think the fact that his teams get better down the stretch of seasons is good. But this conservative philosophy has to stop. Because Giants fans had strokes, heart attacks, seizures to the fact that the Eagles actually got the ball and went down the field on that last drive. That should not have happened. That should not have happened. But because of Joe Judge's conservative philosophy, unless it's Freddie Kitchens, I hear otherwise, I'll blame Freddie Kitchens. But Joe Judge, you have to stop with the conservatism. It's not going to change, in my opinion. But if he does stop, great. Because... Let me tell you something. You have to be aggressive in today's NFL. Whether you have a a bad roster around you, you have a good roster around you, you have to be aggressive and not conservative. A lot of conservative football teams end up in the fucking dumpster, whether they have a good roster or a bad roster. But with that being said, guys, like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or your drops. Appreciate you all coming back. I'm definitely going to have some Yankee videos out through the week because of the Seager signing to the Rangers. Um, Marcus Semien in the Rangers, a lot of stuff in baseball has happened, especially with the work stoppage possibly looming. And what can I say about the Yankees? But the Giants won. They beat the Eagles. Fuck you, Eagle fans, at least the ones that were talking so much shit and saying, fuck the Giants, doing whatever. You deserved your loss. Hopefully you get another one in December. I don't think it's going to happen. But, hey, we get the bragging rights for now. We have one win away from actually tying the all-time record, which we lost a couple of years ago. But, peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool. Let's go Big Blue. Hold on. Let me me pull something out before we end the show. We stomped them out.